Well, did it. Almost. Good morning. My name is Pastor Brad. I'm the interim lead pastor here at Hillcrest Covenant Church. And uh, just to reiterate what Jackie said about these three conversations, these are really wonderful opportunities that uh, typically you haven't seen this of me because of the uh, pandemic, but I, I not only come in and serve churches and do some of the things that you would expect a, a pastor to do, um, but I also have this other uh, side of my role, which is to help guide and lead the congregation through uh, a deliberate process to prepare for your next pastor. And so this, this first conversation coming up this next Sunday um, is kind of the first in a, in a series of conversations that I would love for some of you to participate with us. We are going to be meeting in the Fellowship Hall. It will be socially distanced. And it's not going to be me uh, after, uh, just sort of yakking at you about what I think, but it's really going to be me trying to facilitate and ask questions so that you can tell me um, what you think the answer to some of these questions and, uh, and be part of the conversation. So please don't uh, hesitate to uh, come uh, to that meeting next Sunday. I'm uh, still in the parables of Jesus as a series of sermons this fall, and today we're going to be looking at a parable called the Vineyard Workers. This may be a, um, a familiar parable for many of you, and let me read the scripture from Matthew chapter 20, verse 1 through 16 for us as we begin. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and then sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. And so they went. And he went out again at noon and about three in the afternoon and he did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he did the same thing, and he found still others standing around, and he asked them, why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? And they responded, because no one has hired us. Then he said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. And the workers who were hired about five in the afternoon, they came and each of them received a denarius. So when he came to those who were hired first, they expected to receive more, but each one of them also received a denarius. And when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last only worked one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us and have borne, us who have borne the burden of, of the heat of the day. But then the landowner answered uh, one of them and said, um, do you think I'm not being fair? Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who has hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want to do with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. And then there's this very common phrase that Jesus often says, at the end of a parable or a, or a teaching, and he says this, whoever has ears to hear, 
Let them hear. Well, uh, this, this notion of hearing is a really important concept for uh, Jesus in the parables. In fact, it could be interpreted for those who hear and understand. It could also be interpreted for those who understand, let them hear. It's, it's one of these phrases that, has, uh, that can be flexible, but in, uh, in, when push comes to shove, what this, what this phrase means is, is that Jesus wants to make sure that those of us who hear this parable are paying attention to the message that this parable is speaking, sort of underneath the story. Uh, speaking of hearing, this past week I went and got my ears checked. I figured, you know, um, I'm almost 60 years old, and it's about time that I went and found out, okay, you know, how bad my hearing is. I grew up in the 60s and 70s listening to uh, rock and roll music, uh, going to rock concerts in the, in the Kingdom in Seattle. Um, that was before they exploded it a few years ago and built a new one. But um, I thought for sure, uh, after taking this test, that, that the doctor would come back and say to me, you know what, um, we need to fit you for hearing aids. So, so the doctor came in, and he, sh and he had the results of this hearing exam. And if any of you have done this before, you know how it works. You go into this soundproof room, they put things in your ear, and then you're supposed to hit a button every time you hear a tone. And, and the tones are high and low and mid-range, and they're louder and softer, and there's no rhyme nor reason to them. And there was a couple points where I thought, okay, I'm just going to hit this button whether I can hear it or not. But I didn't. I didn't because that, you know, that messes up the, the, the test, right? Anyway, the doctor came in, sat with me for a moment. He said, hey, you're hearing for a guy your age, a guy my age, is pretty good. Uh, you're showing signs of some uh, dec declining at a certain register. And, and in fact, he said to me, do you know that for men, as they age, the higher register sounds um, become more difficult to hear? And I said, you know, that makes a lot of sense because my wife doesn't think I listen to her. And he, he goes, yes, this is what's going on. Anyway. Enough about that. So, what Jesus is suggesting is this, this, is, this hearing is important. So, as, we, as I go through this text this morning and maybe draw a couple of components of this text out for us in my sermon, please pay attention. Please listen not only with your ears, but listen with your heart of what Jesus might be suggesting to you about the nature of God's kingdom. So we will look at this parable from the Gospel of Matthew. And like most of Jesus' parables, they're, they're pretty simple and they're pretty straightforward. And this is, this is one of those. There's, it's not a tricky parable for us to figure out. There's a vineyard owner. Um, he's desperate to get his crop of grapes harvested. Maybe the weather is threatening and uh, he has to get his grapes off the vines before the weather and the wind blows them off. Um, maybe the, the grapes are bursting with juice, and if they aren't picked today or, or soon, they will not be any good tomorrow. I mean, these are real issues that uh, people who work in vineyards and make wine have to deal with all the time. In fact, uh, a couple of years ago, my wife and I uh, volunteered, actually, to work on a, on a vineyard in uh, Adelaide, South Australia, and we were just volunteers, and, uh, and this is true. There's a certain window for whatever the grape is that you're picking that the, the vines need to be picked clean because you can't go past a certain point. The, the grapes 
um, don't have the same value and content of sugar, which translates to good wine later on. And uh, we were just volunteers, and we would go, and we would get up at, at the crack of dawn and go out and pick grapes with the rest of the, uh, the grape pickers, the workers. And uh, at lunchtime, we'd all go back, back to the vineyard and have lunch. And then, because we were volunteering, we got to go. And we would go out and visit some of the sites around South Australia, and all the rest of the workers had to go back out into the fields. So I, 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 can, I have this, this visceral sense of what it must have felt like for these workers who started at the beginning of the day to, uh, to kind of get to the end of the day and realize that some of the people didn't work as hard as they did. Well, whatever the case is, uh, the work has to be done. So, uh, so um, this vineyard worker, this vineyard owner, hires these workers at different parts of the day. He goes out in the morning to hire those that are lined up, waiting and ready to work. And then uh, later on, he hires some more because he needs more. And, and then finally, uh, toward the end of the day, he, he happens by the town square again, and he finds more people sitting out there waiting to be hired. And so the farmer hires these workers at 5 o'clock when there's, they're maybe an hour away. From, uh, from quitting. And then Jesus lingers a bit over these last folks that the vineyard owner hired. You see, these were not the eager beavers who, who'd been standing at the farmer's front gate from 6 a.m. in the morning. Scott Hotze suggests maybe these were the, the ne'er-do-wells of the community, the kind of people who were unemployed but seemed to lack any sort of gumption, any, any enthusiasm to, to do a whole lot about it. So the, the farmer in the story appears a little surprised when he goes looking for these workers so late in the day, and he finds them sort of sitting around. And he asks, why have you been sitting here all day? They shrug their shoulders, and they say, we don't know. I guess no one wanted to hire us. The farmer has a job that needs to get done, so he hires them for that last hour of work that day. So when it comes time to pay the workers at the end of the day, the vineyard owner instructs his foreman to pay the workers beginning with the last workers first. Those who came to work at the end of the day were paid a denarius, a full day's wage, a fair wage in those days. One can imagine that when those who had been working all day saw the generous wages that were being paid to the latecomers, that they couldn't wait to get their pay, which was undoubtedly going to be more, right, because they had spent 11 more hours out in the vineyards, so that they could take their pocket full of coins home and, and show their spouse how productive they had been that day. But as each worker came to receive their fair wage, they too received a denarius just like the latecomers. How, how could this be? They, they put in a full day of work and they were paid the same amount of those who barely had time to even break a sweat. So they began to grumble. Yes, we would have done the same thing, I suspect. They began to grumble among themselves about this, this lack of fairness. The vineyard owner, overhearing their grumbling, says, Friends, I am not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius when I hired you this morning? Don't I have the right to pay whatever I want with my money? 
few, a few years ago, there was a, a business owner in the Seattle area in the tech industry who decided that he was going to uh, pay his employees a fair wage. He committed to pay his lowest paid employees enough money to live in the high cost um, economy of Seattle, which is it's very expensive. It's, it's, um, it's, it's like L.A. and San Francisco and Chicago, Boston. And uh, so he decided that, he, that the lowest paid worker at his place of employment, at his company, was going to make $70,000 a year or something like that. And you can imagine all of the press that this got at the time. And I'm sure that there were a few fellow business owners who pulled him aside and asked him, what are you doing? If you do that, then we've got to do the same thing to compete, right? And I'm sure there was all kinds of jostling and, and people that were actually angry about this business owner that decided to do something fair uh, for, for a start. So the vineyard owner in this case asked, are you envious of my generosity? And the parable includes this phrase. So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Now, this doesn't always happen, but Matthew, in this parable, is giving us, in this sentence, the whole point of this parable. In life, if you think about it, it may be that those who work the longest hours are paid the most money. That's what we have come to expect, right? But in God's upside-down kingdom, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. In fact, God's kingdom and the values that determine what is fair and right may not have anything to do with what we conceive of as fair and right. Let me say that again, because I want that to sink in a little bit. In God's kingdom, the values that determine what is fair and right may not have anything to do with what we conceive of as fair and right. Barbara Brown Taylor comments on this parable by saying this. This parable is a little bit like cod liver oil that mothers used to give to their kids to cure what ailed them. I, I don't know, did any of you receive cod liver oil when you got sick? Yeah, some of us. I think that's... I don't know if they do that anymore. I'm not sure it has any actual um, positive impact, but I'll probably hear from somebody that it actually does. Anyway, so she said, now, the parable's a little like that, giving cod liver oil to, of mothers they used to give to their children to cure what ailed them. You know, it's good for you. You trust the one who's giving it to you, but that doesn't make it very easy to swallow. Most of us are born into this world with a huge sense of entitlement, followed by, at the very early age already, a seemingly intuitive sense of fairness and unfairness. When my kids, I have three kids, when they um, were younger, they all used to go to bed at the same time, and um, that was just because as, as exhausted parents, as some of you know, that, that's the easiest thing to do, and, and we got them all ready and, and uh, you know, did the bedtime routine and put them away uh, into bed at the same time. But did, I, did I almost say put them away? <laughs> what am I talking about? No, uh, we, we, we put them to bed. And uh, at one point, my daughter, who is older than her brothers and a little bit more responsible than she was then, and, uh, and actually she still is a little bit, um, she 
uh, got to the point where, where we said, you know, we're going to let you stay up a little later than your brothers. And she was, of course, excited about that reality. But you'll never guess what the, what the phrase was that came out of my two boys' mouths the minute they heard that, that we had decided that their older sister was eligible to stay up uh, an hour later than they were. Can any of you guess what that phrase is? It's not fair. That's exactly right. And just like those characters in this parable, I suspect that if any of us had worked all day in the hot sun uh, picking grapes for this vineyard owner and we discovered that those that were hired at the end of the day got the same amount of pay that, that we did, we would probably be the first to complain, that's not fair. And we would be accurate in making such a claim, except for the fact, except for the fact that this parable is trying to peel back some of our assumptions that we have about God and God's kingdom. Some of the beliefs that we hold that that knowingly or unknowingly that we project upon what God should do in any given situation. And many of us here and those of you watching online this morning, you know unfairness in life all too well. We all do. While we may not be the first to admit it, some of us have borne the brunt of the COVID virus while others of us are in a better situation than we've ever been before. What's fair about the fact that those who are most susceptible to contracting the virus our low-wage workers in meatpacking plants and assembly lines, there's nothing fair about that. It's not fair. What's fair about the fact that some people have not been able to pay their rent or pay their mortgage while those who either own their own homes outright or whose jobs have transitioned to, into this sort of remote working space haven't missed a paycheck? Of course, it's not fair. What's fair about a nurse's aide who works in a nursing home and she is required to remain isolated from her family if she wants to continue to work at that nursing facility so she doesn't bring the COVID disease back into the nursing facility. That's not fair. Perhaps you're beginning to, to see a theme this morning. Life is not fair. COVID, of all things that we are learning in the midst of this, and there are many, I'm not going to speak about all of them today, but COVID has exposed the lie that we all have been happy to live, and that is that life has never been fair, and it's about time someone told the truth about that. And so it is on this basis that when Jesus tells us this parable about the vineyard workers who showed up at the end of the day and were paid the same as those who worked all day, we must pause for a second and reflect on what exactly is Jesus saying to us about the nature of God's kingdom. What's he trying to say? And it isn't until we come to terms with this reality that we are prepared to understand the larger point that Jesus is trying to make in this parable. Yes, life is not fair. But God, just like the owner of the vineyard, is gracious and merciful to all of us. Yes, life is not fair, but God is merciful to each of us in ways that we don't for a moment deserve. Yes, yes, don't you see it? 
in God's economy, in God's kingdom, in God's realm, the unfairness of things gives God the opportunity to reveal God's divine mercy to each one of us. There's that classic children's story you probably have heard about it by C.S. Lewis, The Chronicles of Narnia, where children find their way into this strange and wonderful place called Narnia through a, through a closet. And when the children encounter a talking beaver early on in the story, they ask about this lion that they've heard about, this, this lion named Aslan. Who is Aslan? asked Susan. Aslan, said Mr. Beaver. Why, why don't you know? He, he's the king. It's he, not you, that will save Mr. Tumnus. Is he a man? asked Lucy. Aslan, a man, said Mr. Beaver sternly. Certainly not. I tell you, he is the king of the wood and the son of the great emperor beyond the sea. Don't you know who is the king of beasts? Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan, I, I, I thought he was a man. I, is he quite safe? She asked. I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. That you will, dearie, and no mistake, said Mrs. Beaver. If there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, with either, uh, they're either braver than most or else they're just plain silly. Then is he safe, said Lucy. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. I'm longing to see him, said Peter, even if I do not feel frightened when it comes to that point, or even if I do feel frightened. You see what C.S. Lewis is doing in this children's story, which is wonderful, is he's pointing out the character of God's divine grace. Of course, God, the lion Aslan, is not safe, but he's good. All of us find ourselves in, from time to time claiming that we got the short end of the stick when somebody appears to get something in life uh, ahead of us. And a better deal on a car, perhaps, a promotion that we think we deserve because we know that we're a better worker than the person who actually got it. They got into an Ivy League school and we're stuck going to community college. We, we have struggled to maintain our weight and fitness through discipline and work while they can eat anything they want and maintain their youthful physique by doing nothing? I mean, how fair is that? There's always something to which we can compare our life with others and come up wanting except this one thing. Each of us, because of a loving and merciful God, are not judged on how long that we've worked, which of course is on the basis of merit, or on our accomplishments, or on our faithfulness, or even luck. We are all beneficiaries of the divine grace and mercy of a loving God. Life is not fair, but God is good. Can you say that with me? Life is not fair, but God is good. God is merciful. 
And for this reason, there is not a person within the sound of my voice, either here in this room or through uh, the, the wonders of technology, who understands this, who cannot say, thanks be to God for his great mercies. So if you showed up here this morning and you feel like the worker in the vineyard who put in a long day's work only to discover that the others who showed up at the end of the day got paid the same as you, you'll need to come to terms with that because that's a reality in God's kingdom that is unlike the world in which we live. To be truthful, you're going to need to get over that. And if you're sitting here this morning with an overwhelming sense of, of gratitude because you have what you didn't earn and what you do not deserve, a loving family, good friends, a job, a hopeful future, it may not always be that way. In both cases, the key to understanding God's kingdom is that it's ultimately not about us at all or even our circumstances. It's about a good and merciful God who loves us extravagantly, whether we deserve it or not. As someone has said, he can't love us more and he will not love us less. And to that, and to that reality, we should be able to say, thanks be to God. So what do we do when life doesn't seem fair? For those of you who are worshiping with us online, uh, if you're sitting with somebody in the room, you're welcome to turn and discuss a couple of these questions that I'm going to toss your way. For those of you who are in the building with us today, uh, think about these. You know, go out to lunch with a friend and talk about them. Here they are. They're not questions. They're, they're statements I want to make about, uh, about God's fairness in light of life's unfairness. It's okay. Number one, it's okay to express your, your sense of unfairness to God. God can handle your complaint. Don't, don't be afraid of doing that. Two, when you find yourself in the midst of an unfair situation, which, which you will, you may be in one now, you may be just coming out of one, you may be going into one. When you find yourself in that position, look for God's mercy. Because those are the places that God wants to just pour his mercy into your life. And three, when life feels unfair, give thanks to God for his mercy and grace that has already been expressed to you.